0: i'm jim brown your bible teacher at grace and truth ministries i'm teaching
1: to you on different subjects on uh on wednesday and on saturday now today is saturday and i'm teaching on a myriad of things whatever myriad means means a bunch i'm teaching on particularly false doctrine and i'm teaching on how it comes about in among the preachers of america i don't believe in any of the preachers in america that i know of i don't believe any of them are preaching the whole entire truth and that would include predestination god does not love everybody christmas is pagan easter is pagan along with Halloween, Easter, and and Christmas are just a polished-up form of Halloween and Mardi Gras. Now, you don't have to like that. I've got all kinds of books on this. And then we preach Daily Cross, Death to Self. If you don't have a Daily Cross, you cannot be a follower of Christ and go to heaven when you die. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, he that beareth not his cross and falleth after me cannot be my disciple. If you don't believe in death to self, and all you want to be is some scholar that reads the Bible and goes into something to prove somebody wrong, you're living for the wrong reason. I put a, I put a title on the board here. What is, quote, the sons of God marrying the daughters of men, unquote, what does that mean at the end of time? Well, this is the main thing it means. It means a perversion of the scripture. It means that preachers are lying for money and power, and that's how they pervert the scriptures, and that's the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. Now, I went into this. The Bible says it has to be happening at the end of time. When you go back over there to Genesis, and you go to that sixth chapter, the Bible says the sons of God will be marrying the daughters of men. How does that connect with the end of time? The Bible quotes this over in in Matthew, the 24th chapter, it says that as it was in the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah. And it's talking about the end of time. In that Matthew, the 24th chapter, the the apostles come to Jesus and they say, what will be the sign of thy coming? and of the end of the world end of world and it goes through uh, many signs it says that many will come saying that i am christ now somebody can't deceive by saying they're christ they'll have to deceive by even admitting that jesus is the christ And then twisting his words. He said men will come saying that I am Christ. And they'll deceive many. And then he goes into all of these different signs. He said they'll come saying I'm Christ. And they'll deceive many. He says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And that's going on in the world today. We've got about 50 major wars going on in the world this very day. And then he says the... Nation will rise against nation. The word nation is the word ethnos. The word nation is the same word all through the New Testament as Gentile. The Gentiles is everybody that's not a Jew. Gentiles will be rising against Gentiles. That's going on in the world today. And then he goes on to say, The love of many will wax cold. Love is agape. Agape will wax cold. And it, the word wax cold means to reduce temperature. It means to die. Reduce temperature or to die. And then it goes on to say that there'll be the desolation of abomination. The desolation of abomination, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. That is, the temple of God will be corrupted and will be defiled. The temple of God is no longer a literal temple. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which temple you are. So it'll be, the church will be defiled. And then it goes on to say, people will be saying, Christ is over here in the desert. He's over here. Old Robert said he was a, Nine hundred foot Jesus that appeared outside his so-called prayer tower in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Jesus said, "If anybody says they see me, they're lying." And then the Jehovah's Witness said, "He was out in the desert. If he's in the, if they say he's in the desert, go not forth." And it goes through all of these things, the end of time, and it says, "After the tribulation of those days." The Lord shall send his angels with a great sign of a trumpet. We're going to be changed at the last trump. I'm not going to go into that right now. There's seven trumpets sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the last one sounds, the mystery of God, the church is complete, is finished. And then it goes on down in there and says these same words that you got in Genesis, the sixth chapter. Where, Matthew 24? huh matthew twenty four excuse me it says the same thing that Genesis the sixth chapter says in matthew twenty four I believe we have to be close to the end of all things there's so many false teachers out there in the world matthew twenty four he says here in matthew twenty four that But of that day and hour, verse 6, verse 36, of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of, angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, how was their day? That takes you back to the sixth chapter of Genesis. So what's happening in the sixth chapter of Genesis has to be happening at the end of time. And then he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. People say, we don't know when he's going to come. That's saying the exact time so nobody knows. But in verse 33, he says, when you see these things, know that it is near, even at the door. God says, I'll show you the season. I'll tell you the season when Christ is coming back. So let's get back down to 36 but nobody will know the exact time except my Father which is in heaven. But as the days of Noah were, so if you're going to study Noah's days, you have to go back and study the sixth chapter. As the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38 tells you how the days of Noah were. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating Drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Give in marriage is the word ek gemas. Gemas is the word married. Ek means out. They're marrying out or marrying people they're not supposed to be marrying. Now, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming, the peruse of the Son of Man be. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. That's the same word used in the early part of this chapter when the Apostle said, what's going to be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So shall also the physical arrival. Physical arrival They're going to be eating, drinking, married, and giving in marriage. Now, let's go back to Genesis, the 6th chapter. Verse 1, It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto these men. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men. That's one of the most controversial verses in all of the Bible. There's people that say sons of God was fallen angels. That's ignorant. It can't be fallen angels because they're going to marry women. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. The word giant here does not mean a tall man. It doesn't mean that. You get a giant when you marry truth to a lie. Giant is the word nephil, N-E-P-H-I-Y-L. Nephil and the plural is Nephilim. I Y M is always plural. It means a bully or a tyrant. Now you can be a bully or a tyrant and be five foot six just like Napoleon. You can be five six, five seven, you can be four foot eleven and be a tyrant or a bully. Be in charge, what happens when you marry truth to a lie, sons of God are the descendants? I am absolutely convinced of this when you look at the fifth chapter, the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man, male and male created he them, blessed them, and called their name Adam, and when they were created, and Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat his son. And his son's name was Seth, which means substitute. He was a substitute for Abel. This is the righteous lineage of God all through this chapter. These are sons of God. These are believers, sons of God. In order to be a son of someone, you have to be doing the will of that father. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says sons of God are. In Romans eight fourteen. As many as are led by the Spirit, which is the truth, they are the sons of God. This is not possible for someone who's who has fallen away from the truth, like the fallen angels of heaven. Any time you find angel,
0: a g g e l o s, in the Greek. It means messenger,
1: and it is always masculine gender. All of God's preachers were angels. It can be a heavenly angel like Michael or Gabriel, but it can also be a preacher. They were called angels. Take the word angel and throw it out of your Bible and put messenger every time you see it. It can be Michael or Gabriel, or it can be me, or it can be you if you have a message for somebody. It doesn't have to be a heavenly angel, and you don't even have to be speaking. You just, uh, the truth, you can be telling somebody next door some news, and you're an angel. So, it's masculine gender. Anytime that's, fallen angels are masculine. Then when you look at the word demon, D-A-I-M-O-N, I-O-N. Demonion in the New Testament is the word, our demon, anytime you find it referred to by the scripture itself, it's always neuter gender. So angels and demons, this cannot be demons or fallen angels. Where are the fallen angels? Second Peter, the second chapter, these fallen angels are in hell. They're reserved,
0: reserved for judgment. They're in
1: Tartarus. That's the only time that word is mentioned in the Bible. And when you look that up, it will tell you that's the lowest part of hell and they are reserved to reo. to reo. means they're guarded, they're there until the judgment, they're being reserved there, and that means to guard as though you've got them in a prison, and the prison they're in is in Tartarus, and they're not coming down to the earth and intermarrying with women. And that old silly doctrine that angels came down and intermarried with women. No, this has a real meaning that's going on at the end of time. Jesus said in Matthew in uh, Matthew twenty second chapter, he said, Angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. It's not that. You find God's lineage is the descendants of Abraham down through Seth, down through enosh and Canaan and Mahalalil, and that takes you all the way to noah and his three sons the sons of men would have to be son of men was referred to when it was talking about gentiles or unbelievers that was sons of men so when you look at the fourth chapter the sons of cain he doesn't trace back to god I've said this before. I believe Cain was a bastard son. I'm not going to go into that. When Adam and Eve saw each other, they took each other. They knew they were naked. When you don't have to teach a man to lust after a woman. Adam took her because he could before he had had the, before he had the permission of God to marry the woman. And that came later in the third chapter. Now, sons of god are those that do the will of their father i've got some verses on the sons of god there was a two sons of a man in luke 15 and this is the prodigal son let me ask you this whenever the prodigal son left his father went out and spent all of his wealth had nothing left he was wallowing in a pig pen with a bunch of pigs and probably drunk puking all over himself when he was in that pig pen whose
0: son was he was he some stranger's son was he the devil's
1: son or was he still his father's son he was still the son of his father he did just like most of us do. He wandered away from God. He wandered away from his father. He suffered all this persecution. And when we come to a point, we go further away from God. You will never find how can the how can the fallen angels, when they're in Tartarus, how can in the reserve for hell, the reserve for hell, how can they be returning? To the to God the Father they can't they're reserved for hell. So this that's a fairy tale it come out of Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews, and it in the Legends of the Jews it says this is a legend it's myth, and it's something the Jews wrote. Ginsberg was a Jew, Jewish writer. He's got five volumes on the five volumes on the Legends of the Jews. And they said these giants, in their legends, were 3,000 L's tall, and L was 45 inches. And that made the giants over 11,000 feet tall. Now, I don't know how they can intermarry with women and have consensual sex between a woman and them at 11,000 feet tall. That's ridiculous. Now... And I don't mean to be crude about that. It just, it's, it's, it's idiocy. Now, so then you go to John one twelve, The Bible says, Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, Lambano took hold of him. Lambano. The Bible says over in Isaiah that it means to take hold. Take hold. Isaiah said there's none that calleth on God that stirreth himself up to take hold of thee. Stirreth up is the word ur. Ur. And it means to wake from the dead. When you're dead in sin, nobody can call upon God to wake himself up from
0: the dead. To resurrect himself, wake up from dead. So to them gave he the power to become.
1: The word power exousia. To become the sons, the huios. Remember huios, h-u-i-o-s. The word adoption. We're predestinated into the adoption of children. Adoption is the word huiotosia, h-u-i-o-s-t-h-e-s-i-a. It means to place sons. So God gives us the power to become sons. Once you become a son, you've been adopted into the family, and you can't adopt yourself. God has to adopt you. It has to be the will of the Father to adopt us into his family. And the word power to become exousia, Means exactly that power. It comes from the word EXESTI, which is our word existence. And from that we get the word EINAI, which means to be, to exist, to be. He gave us existence to become sons. Huias. To become is the word G I N O M A I. Genomai is a form of the word. G E N N E S I S, which is the word nativity, means to birth, and then from that we get the word gene. So we become sons of God because God gives us existence. Sons of God don't, even though He says, My sons don't do what I say, He says, There in Hebrews 12, he said, I scourge every son I receive. Now, if he scourges his son, if the fallen angels were sons, why didn't he scourge them and make them believe him? He doesn't. He reserves them for hell. They've never been sons of God. Never. So he scourges every son he received, every huyos he receives, he decomai. my scourges at every son he deckle that means to reach out the ten fingers and accept God has to accept us we cannot accept him when we're dead in sin the natural man does not receive does not deckle Dec deck is the word ten in the Greek a decade is ten years and the natural, the psuchikos, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. The natural man does not, natural, physical man, the man of the senses, that can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, that man does not accept anything spiritual. God has to accept us as sons, and then he scourges every son that belongs to him. So any son that is being rebellious, God says, you belong to men. You can't live the way you want your mind. We can't live the way we want to live. And he scourges mastigo, M-A-S-T-I-G-O-O. It comes from the word mastix. And a mastic's was that little short whip that had leather strips on it with bone and glass in it and pieces of metal and that come down on a man's back and would just tear him apart that's what they beat Jesus with and most of the men would die when they were visited with the scourge he said so we can be partakers that means we're not partakers before he scourges us that means we're falling away from god but these but these fallen angels they're not falling away. They didn't belong to God from the beginning. God created a glitch in them, but they're in hell. They're not marrying, they're not coming down to earth and marrying women. It's like I said. I've said this. What I'm trying to get to is what is the sons of God marrying daughters of men? That is actually the descendants of Shem. Are the descendants of Seth, the way that starts in Genesis 5, intermarrying with the descendants of Cain. That would be the daughters of men, daughters of men. Daughters of men would be the sisters of the sons of men. And they saw these women, that they were beautiful, and they took them. So that's truth. The descendants of Shem or Seth marrying the descendants of a lie. That's truth marrying a lie. And the Bible says if that was going on in Genesis 6, it's going on at the end of time. End of time. And is that going on today? Has truth married a lie that fairy tale the sons of God and the daughters of men even John MacArthur heard him preach a message when he was young on that being fallen angels and are married with women that's not going to pollute people what will pollute the lineage of God is truth marrying a lie and you have that going on in the charismatic charismatics how do you marry truth to a lie you don't take Some book other than the Bible. You take the Bible and twist it. That's how truth bears a lie. You got the truth involved. You, I keep saying you cannot, you cannot deceive the believer unless you've got an element of truth in it. You gotta have some truth. They've got a Jesus. They've got a gospel. They've got a Saved in a salvation, they have a prayer, and they've redefined all those words. Prayer prosukama comes from pros, toward, and you came in to will. It means to will oneself towards the will of another. And Jesus said, the night before night, he prayed to the Father, If be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. And he did the same thing. He tells us the same thing in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. People say, how do you pray? I'm riding down the road. I pray just driving down the road. If you pray without ceasing, you're not going to have to find some place where you can kneel down on your knees and start getting an agonized feeling, start sweating that's not prayer I talk to the Lord at all times I know he's in the car with me I say Lord forgive me of my sin or I fall and Lord I know I make mistakes and would you help me to follow you t- in truth at all times and open up the words of your book for me and Lord help the people at grace and truth the ones that are weak help them to be strong we know I know it takes time Lord but your will be done i love those people i pray like that lord your will be done if it's according to your mercy and will would you give them strength i pray for these people in this church all the time that's praying without ceasing but it's bowing to the will of god these guys have in they've turned prayer the charismatics have turned it into uh, send me your money and god will make you rich and healthy and that's not true what really gets me is all of these faith healers, so-called faith healers, the big ones, the ones that are more powerful than anybody else, they've all died of a disease. Or Roberts, I remember when he first come on the scene in the early 50s, I was uh, about 14, 13, 14, and 52, 53, he was pretty popular back then. And he was healing people right and left. Why is it when he got to be in his 90s, he died of pneumonia? Did he have to do that? Fred Price died here a couple of years ago, just one of the biggest con men that's ever lived. And he claimed to believe in faith healing and you need to be rich. That's twisting the word of God. That's what they do. They are they're not the sons of God. They're the they're the sons of men and they've intermarried lies with the truth. That's what the sons of God marrying the daughters of men is about. They've got some beliefs. They've got some beliefs that are just outrageous. They've let me give you some some of the uh, verses that they say they've got some sayings now Benny Hinn's got a favorite saying and he's, he simply pulls out a section of a verse and shouts it none of these diseases will God put on you all you have to do is believe what I'm teaching and none of these diseases he loves that. That's in Exodus, the Exodus, the 15th chapter. Look at Exodus 15. It's just dumb what he's saying. He's saying none of these diseases will God put on you. Exodus 15. And what he does, he eliminates other verses, other words in this verse. And he quotes this. He just says this. This is the last sentence last part of a sentence in verse 26 I will put none of these diseases upon thee and he doesn't read the rest of the sentence which I have brought upon Egyptians he says God won't make people sick but he says I made the Egyptians sick and he's talking about leukemia and cancer and all this what are the diseases that he put upon Egypt it's crazy what he says and it'll tell you what these diseases are. I'll read them to you. In fact, I've got them listed here right in the front of my Bible. They put he, he put upon Egypt water to blood. That's in Exodus 7, 14 through 25. He put frogs upon Egypt. You mean God's not putting frogs upon you? But he put hundreds of millions of frogs... And that's in Exodus eight, one through fifteen. He put gnats or mosquitoes, small stinging insects infested the land of Egypt. Exodus eight sixteen through nineteen. He put flies on them, swarms of flies, possibly a biting variety, infested the land. That's in Exodus eight twenty through thirty two He put plague upon the cattle. You mean God's not going to put plagues upon your cattle? And then he put bulls, that plagues upon the cattle was Exodus 9, 1 through 7. He put bulls, skin disease infected the Egyptians, Exodus 9, 8 through 12. And then he put hail, a storm that destroyed the grain fields of Egypt. You mean God's not going to destroy your grain fields? And then he that's in Exodus nine thirteen through 35. He put locusts, boy, we're familiar with that. An infestation of locusts stripped the land of Egypt of plants in Exodus ten one through twenty, and then he put darkness you mean he won't put darkness on you. A deep darkness covered the land of Egypt for three days, Exodus ten twenty one through twenty nine. And the death of the firstborn, that was the Passover. That was in Exodus eleven one through twelve thirty. Now Let's go back over there to Exodus 15. And he says, in the previous verse, verse 25, this verse matches up with Deuteronomy 28. He says in verse 26, And God said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments. That's exactly what Deuteronomy 28 says. And keep all the statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, if you keep my statutes. But you cannot take the word of God, and make it into a lie, like the Charismatics do, and the Pentecostals, and the Baptists too. Now, but many will, them will scream, none of these diseases... Look at Micah, Micah six and verse thirteen. God is talking to Israel. Micah six and verse thirteen, and it says exactly opposite of what N says. Micah six thirteen therefore will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of your sins, Israel. And people say, he won't make anybody sick. And Michael says, yes, he'll make you sick because of your sins. That's called pestilence. That's called coronavirus. That's called AIDS. That's called Ebola. That's called black plague. That's called bubonic plague. That's called That's called the viruses of 1918. That's called all of these things. Smallpox. That's all the judgment of God. When you find these judgments, that's what it's about. Now, let me give you another one of the verses they say. These are verses that they love to shout and tell people and make a big noise about it. Look here in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. And they don't pay any attention to the dates on these things and when the prophet is prophesying Isaiah fifty four seventeen. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. And this is something they like to shout out. No weapon formed against thee will prosper. I see nothing of you won't be hurt over anything. No diseases or anything. This is funny. Because let me give you the date on this. This is approximately 712 B.C. Now, God had destroyed northern Israel in 722 B.C. And who did he destroy northern Israel with? Which was the weapon of God that he called down upon northern Israel. That was Assyria. And the word prosper, that's an interesting word. It's a word, in fact, it's mentioned... It's the word kili, K-E-L-I-Y. Something prepared. That's what the word weapon is. The word prosper is the word salach, T-S-A-L-A-C-H. T-S-A-L-A-C-H. That's the word prosper, and it doesn't mean money when it's used any time in the Old Testament. It means to push forward. Push forward or to increase in a in a work it's going to do. That's all that word prosper means. The word weapon the word weapon is the word Kili K E L I Y And it means something prepared. Well who prepared Assyria to go against northern Israel, and why did he prepare it? it means to prepare. And why did he prepare it? Because, because they've been going after Baal and the Grove, Baal and Grove and Shemash and Molech and Isis and Osiris and Venus, and all these gods, and they kept going after him for five hundred and ten years, and God said, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then I'll send the beast. The beast would be Babylon, northern Babylon was Assyria. And they came against Israel for ten years from seven thirty two to seven twenty two, under different different monarchs, and you can see that over in Second Kings, starting in that seventeenth chapter. You read the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth chapter, it'll tell you all about northern Israel being destroyed. By Assyria in 722 B.C. But in 712, that's when he said, no weapon formed against you. Assyria is the weapon that God prepared. That's the prepared weapon by God to come against Israel because they've been going after all of these. And then in 586 B.C., God prepares another weapon. Assyria is destroyed by this other weapon, Babylon. Babylon, Babylon destroys Assyria. It's talking about Assyria is not going to continue to go forward. I'm going to raise up another system. It doesn't mean a sword won't hurt the believer. The sword is going to hurt the believer. God prepared these swords. David said, deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword in thy hand, God. You've picked up a sword to cut me down because of my sin. So in 586, you got, you got 722 to 586, nearly 150 years later, that Babylon comes in and overthrows Assyria, and Babylon carries Judah, southern Israel, away into captivity and slaughters a million or more of the people. But that sword will not, that sword will not go forward, either. God will cut it down by Persia. It's just and they like to say no sword against you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Anybody, have you heard them say that? Oh, yeah. That's a favorite phrase of theirs and they don't even know the weapon won't prosper. You'll prosper because I'll cut you down and make you behave yourself. It's crazy what they say. And what they're doing is marrying truth. They take God's truth, make it say something it doesn't say. And they marry truth to a lie. That's the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. it's going on in all the Pentecostal and charismatic churches all over the world. Saying God don't want you to suffer. That's insane. Now, let me go to another one of these. One of their favorite things they say and they make this a real emotional go over to Ezekiel the fourth. I mean Zechariah the fourth chapter and here's the way they go about this when they say this it has nothing to do with what they're talking about I mean zero zip they'll take this sixth verse of the fourth chapter of Zachariah. If you don't know what's happening with Zachariah and you don't know who's ruling Israel at this time you're not going to have an idea what this is talking about. And this is what they'll say. They'll pull out that last phrase in verse 6. Except they won't say this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel," saying this is what they'll say. Just pull out that that phrase in the middle of it. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Whoa! They'll jump up. <laughs> Y'all have heard them say that, haven't you? Huh? I don't listen to them. <laughs> well, that's one of their favorite sayings. And they go, whoa! Ah, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost has come over me. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Have you heard them say that? That's a favorite verse of all of them. You have to understand what's going on. Zechariah is a prophet. He is a partner of Haggai. Let me tell you when they're here up on the earth. Haggai and Zechariah. They had a particular job to do. And Zechariah. They're prophesying in the neighborhood of five twenty BC to five eighteen BC. Now Israel has been has been captured by Persia, but they hadn't been captured. They had Persia didn't have to go into their land. They were already over here in Persia. Persia overthrows Babylon.
0: Babylon had overthrown Assyria. And Israel has been in the middle of all of this. And it was Babylon,
1: Assyrian Babylon, that carried Israel off into captivity. And they carried him off into. They carried Assyria is up here between the Caucasus in the Caucasus Mountains between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea, and Israel was carried off. Northern Israel was carried off into the Caucasus Mountains in that area. Southern Judah, 150 years later or so, was carried off into Babylon, what we call Iraq, and they were slaughtered and butchered and laid dead in their streets. Doesn't sound like this. Doesn't that sound like that. God wouldn't hurt any of them. And then Persia Persia takes over Babylon in 539 BC. This is what not by might nor my power, but by my spirit saith the Lord is all about. It's not some Pentecostal verse to jump and kick about. And boy, I've seen him do that. Woo! Just jump and run, not my by my not power, by, by my spirit. Yeah, the Holy Ghost is here. You guys are ignorant. You idiots. Idiotes. Unlearned. I've seen that a bunch of times, Israel. So when they are in captivity in Assyria, they don't come out of captivity until five eighty six. It doesn't sound like no weapon against you will prosper against you. It's just simply saying the weapon will be destroyed that God forms against you. After He does a job with it, He destroys him with another weapon. So Persia takes over. It destroys Babylon in five thirty nine and five thirty eight. The first decree is given to Israel who's occupying all the land of Persia and the lands that was Babylon's and Assyria. And the Persian king, Cyrus, this is very important. This is what not by my my power, by my spirit saith the Lord is about. It's the Holy Spirit coming to the minds of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes and putting it in their minds to cause Israel to come back and rebuild the temple and that was in the first three decrees and there's no reason that god should have come to cyrus and cause him to give a decree to rebuild the temple god's spirit came down into that man and says give israel decrees to go back and build their temple and then Darius came after him and he just simply reaffirmed that decree and there was a man that come along that was was trying to stop israel stop israel rebuilding the temple. they started in five thirty eight and he comes along in five thirty six and his name was Tatnai, T-A-T-N-A-I. he was the governor, well not the governor excuse me he was the satrap s a T-R-A-P in Israel. A satrap was a man that was an official representative of the king over here in Persia. The Persian kings loved the way the city of Babylon straddled the river, the beauty of the gardens of Babylon. So they settled in over there in Babylon and stayed there. That's what they liked. So the Persian kings give this decree to go back, Cyrus gives the decree to go back and rebuild the temple. Well, Tatnai comes along two years later and tells the builders of the temple, if you don't stop that, I'm going to tell King Darius on you over here, and I'm going to tell Darius on you, you're a rebellious city, and the Bible said they were a rebellious city because they went after all these other gods. So tatnai scares these people, he scares them, into quitting. So they quit building the temple in 536. Started in 538, that's the first decree. And then in 530, in 520, that's where Darius is ruling. Really. In 522, Darius starts ruling. Really. In 520, that's when Zechariah and Haggai come on the scene. And their job was to tell Israel, get back to building. I don't care what this guy says. So they go, they say, we're going to go over here to Babylon. We're going to talk to Darius and ask him what he wants us to do. Well, they go to Darius in Ezra, the seventh chapter, or sixth chapter. They go to Darius. Say, Mr. Darius, this man is telling us that we have to quit building on the temple because we were a rebellious city. And the men that's building believe God. The men that building are over here in Israel. So it's a long trip to go over there and talk to Darius. They go stand before him in his his, uh, court. And when they go to stand before him, they say, we were given a decree by Cyrus. Cyrus is long dead. He's dead. Dead. And this is several generations later. And it looks like Cyrus was a believer and it looks like Darius is a believer. So Darius says, We will hunt for the decree that was given by Cyrus. So they hunted all over the area and they finally went to the summer house of Cyrus. That was a vacationing spot and they found the decree. See, they, you have to understand something about the Persian, Persian Empire the Bible will tell you concerning Daniel and the lion's den that the decrees of the of the Medes and Persians and Persians altereth not once a decree was given it was permanent through the rest of the empire when Cyrus gave that decree It was permanent till there was no more Persia. So Darius couldn't actually give a decree to go back and rebuild the temple. He said, all we have to do is find Cyrus's decree. All I can do is enforce that. And they found it. And it was law. Once a Persian king gave a decree, it could not be rescinded by anyone, not even him, himself. And I could go into, I could go into the book of Esther on that, because the enemy of God uh, came up, made it, got the king to make a decree against, and this was Xerxes, and got him to make a decree that they could kill all the Jews because they were taking over the land. There were too many of them, and and but one thing he forgot that was that esther was married to the king and esther loved loved israel and the king loved ezra and he he goes i'm not going to give you the whole story but he gives esther a decree that the jews can defend themselves there's a lot more jews than there were enemies of god and they couldn't rescind that decree being persian kings the same goes for over here he couldn't rescind the decree so Darius looks for the decree he finds it and he reinforces the decree of cyrus well when the bible says not by might nor by power it will not be by mighty armies or powerful men that deliver Israel, it'll be by the Spirit of the Lord when he goes into the mind of Darius, Cyrus. This is not some Pentecostal verse. And Artaxerxes. And when God sends his Spirit to Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah a decree to rebuild the city. Now that decree has never been given before, and that's given in the second chapter of Nehemiah. So the whole point of not by might nor by power, and Mr. Darius calls Tatnai into his presence along with the representatives over there, and that's what and when when Zachariah and Haggai start their prophecies it's about it's about rebuilding it's getting back busy rebuilding the temple that's what Zechariah and Haggai were for you'll see that when you read their books so when Tatnai comes before Darius Darius says Mr. Tatnai This decree was given by Cyrus, one of the great men of the Persian Empire. Now, you will go back to Israel. They're over here in Babylon. He said, you will go back to Israel, and you will see to it that that temple is built, and if you don't, we will will crucify you on a tree. And boy, Tatt and I jumping around like a cat on a hot tin roof. and said, Yes, sir, Mr. Mister Darius, whatever you want. And Darius told me, and said, You will pay for it. You will pay the expense of it. Now go to it. Boy, he was jumping around. It was by the Spirit of the Lord that God made Darius that angry Tat, and I and told him, Get back building the temple. How would you like to have a king like that mad at you? And then Artaxerxes comes up. God puts us in his heart, and he's a Persian king, to rebuild the city. So that's what not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord means. Doesn't mean what these ignoramuses say it means. Don't mean whoopee. <laughs> that is funny. Isn't it? I mean, it's, when I see what I'm doing, that I did a tape one time called The Whoopee Gospel, and I was talking about this very thing. It's a They think the Spirit of the Lord is something to make them jump up and down, and run up down the aisle, jump for joy and scream and shout. That's not the Spirit. The Spirit's the truth. Now, so when he says those words, that's what it's about. How could Zechariah be saying anything but that when he's prophesying three months? Haggai prophesies for three months, and then Zechariah prophesies for two years, and it's all about getting back busy, and they haven't been rebuilding the temple for 16 years, from 536 to 520. And they finished the temple in 516, exactly 70 years from when they were carried away in captivity 586 bc
0: now that's the idiocy
1: of bearing truth to a lie among the pentecostals it doesn't have anything to do with whoopee jumping up and down and running and they don't put any meaning on it whatsoever it's about Israel being in captivity stopping building the temple because they get all this opposition from a man named Tatnai and then going over there to going over there to Babylon and Darius is the Persian king in charge and and Darius telling Tatnai get over there and start helping them rebuild that temple now there's another verse and all the pentecostals use it over in first john first john what i'm trying to do is show you how people have taken the word of god and the sons of god the believers have married the daughters of men and i don't even believe the charismatics are believers because they don't believe god's word but it's talking about Mixing truth with a lie—that's what sons of God marrying daughters of men are about. It here's the thing: if those were giants out of Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews and eleven thousand feet tall, then it has to be happening at the end of time. Only thing is, we don't have any, we don't have any giants eleven thousand feet tall. That's two thirds of the height of Pike's Peak. <laughs> That's insanity, isn't it? If that was happening in the days of Noah, then it has to be happening in the sons of men. So it has to be giants intermarrying with Christian women. And the tallest men in the world that we know of are the Watousis in Africa, the NFL in America, the NBA emphatically. Those are some of the tallest men. And the WWE, the World Wrestling Federation, they've got the tallest men in the world. So that has to be one of those guys like Shaquille O'Neal coming and seducing my wife and running away and marrying her and producing giants. It's just dumb. It's a stupid doctrine. Do you know how important this sons of God marrying daughters of men that are happening at the end of time and it's going on right now? It's just crazy. Now, you got to go to First John. This is another one of the sons of God my daughters of men verses. And if you don't like this and you're a Pentecostal charismatic, you got some thinking to do, some conviction to come in your heart. And if God doesn't put it in your heart, you're not a believer. You can't just accept this stuff that they say. I've always been very analytical and critical of... Statements that are made made that just didn't make any sense to me that fallen angels were marry women it's dumb how here's what I want to ask these people How is it? Where do you find anywhere in the Bible that angels were made with sexual organs to reproduce? to reproduce with women you can't even get deer to reproduce with cattle out here in a field they won't they won't reproduce with them and whoever said that I don't mean to be crude but whoever said that angels had sperm they could fertilize an egg of a human woman that's that's dumb I just, I don't like people that take the word of God and just wrench it to make it mean what they want it to mean. And all that does is excite people. Oh, the sons of God married daughters of men, fallen angels married women. And they polluted, you can't, you know why they say that? Because those those fallen angels polluted uh, the word of God in these women. That ain't what pollutes the word of God. What pollutes the word of God are sons of God marrying daughters of men, interchanging truth to a lie. And twisting the word of God. And that's what they do. Now go back over here to First John. I, I am sick of a world of people. They don't put any thought to anything they're teaching. First John 4. 1. Let me tell you what they really like they like verse four and they pull out one phrase out of verse four greater is he that's in you than he's in the world you never heard them say that that was all roberts favorite saying greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world it's not talking about woo, excitement pentecostalism speaking in tongues
0: faith healing Woo
1: has nothing to do with that now It's talking about trying the spirits of God. Verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because that many false prophets are gone out into the world that have married truth to a lie. The the best way to fool somebody, I keep saying this, if you want to poison your wife, (laughs) You don't give her a bottle that's got a skull and crossbones on it that says poison. Here, dear, drink this. That's not going to get it. She's not going to drink that. But if you'll make her brew a real nice cup of coffee, tastes real good, and put one drop of strychnine in it, it looks and smells and tastes good. And that'll kill her. That's what kills people is this poison, this strychnine that they've got in all these doctrines out here. There's no such thing as Pentecostal tongues. They've twisted those words. The reason tongue is in there is because in 1605 to 1611, when they translated the King James Bible, they were running around talking about language in England. What tongue does he speak? They meant language. There's two words for tongue in the Bible in the New Testament. Two words. This is marrying truth to a lie. They don't care. Pentecostals don't even care what the word tongue is. And even Baptists don't care what it is either because they won't study it and tell the Pentecostals. Baptists will not correct Pentecostals on their false doctrine. And the Pentecostals won't correct the Baptists on their false doctrine because they have the same doctrine. Accept Christ as your personal Savior and pray the sinner's prayer. Neither one of those is true. I didn't say that. The Bible says they're not true. Tongue. Dialectos. This is truth marrying a lie. Tongue. They think because tongue is in the Bible, that must be what it is. Shonday 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 mostala kiaba Kasha. Just They make up stupid, silly words and say they're speaking in tongues. They have to be speaking in either dialectos. That's the word dialect. You say, Jim, you've said this over and over. Yes, and I'll keep saying it because these are the lies that preachers are telling in the pulpits and they've got their people all confused, believing in it. And people will say, I know what I feel. What you feel is not the truth. What's the truth is the truth. And you've got to pull the cover off of this and define it. There was a different dialect in every city-state. What is a city-state? That is where a city would rule to its borders. And then you go into another city-state, and they have a different dialect of the common street language. Common is the word corne. C-O-I-N-E. We get our word cornonea from that. And that is the word fellowship. Fellowship. Or It means to partake, be a partaker. And corne means common. There was a common street language in every city-state, and those dialects would differ as much as Spanish and Italian in our day and time. Now, Spanish is a Latin language. And Italian is a Latin language. Just because you can speak one doesn't mean you can understand the other. You'll have some words in one that's the same thing in the other, like diabolos or the word devil. But that's also diabolos in the Greek, in the Greek language. But it don't mean you can understand one because you can understand the other. And those dialects would differ as much as two foreign languages in our day and time that were of the same Latin source. So dialect, that's why they said in Acts 2, these were Jews from every nation under heaven. that had been scattered all over the world by the beast, by Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, that we were talking about. And it'll be not by my power but by my spirit saith the Lord the God will deliver you from the beast world system because Israel went after all these gods they were scattered and as they were in the world they had three festivals they had to come back to Passover Pentecost and the feast of ingathering Pentecost and the Feast of In gathering was the same as the feast of huts and they had the day of atonement and that seventh month with that day of atonement and they were required to come back to all these. So when they come back, and they've been scattered all over the world, they're all speaking a different dialect of this common Cornet Street language. And that's why they said at Pentecost in Acts 2, how hear we every man in our own dialect wherein we were born, Pentecostals. Don't matter whether you believe it or not, that's what it says. I don't really care if you believe it. If you believe it, God has you believe it. If you don't, God has you not believe it. He's giving you ears you can't hear and eyes you can't see. I don't really care whether people believe these things or not. I'm saying them not so I can convince anybody of anything. But a lot of people write and say, I was involved in that, and thank God for grace and truth ministries who opened my eyes to it. And then you have the word glossa. Gloss. I keep saying it comes from our, we get our word glossary from that. A glossary is a section of a book that were, with words that are foreign to the reader in that book. You go to the glossary, you look up the word, and it'll tell you the definition of it. Glossary means foreign language. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they think other tongues is some gobbledygook.
0: Other tongues. The word is hetero. Glossa.
1: A heterosexual is other sex. That's a Greek word. Glossa is the word foreign language. They spoke with other foreign languages. The Spirit gave them utterance. Apo. PH. T-H-E-G-G-O-M-I-I. I hope the thing means to speak so clearly that you cannot be misunderstood. In fact, what really gets me in Acts 2, in that verse 14, when Peter lifted up his voice and said, said is the same word as utterance, my Peter didn't say, shanda kuamashaka. He didn't say anything like that. He said, Ye men of Judea. And they could understand him clearly. That's what Apophothingomai means. It's just dumb what they're doing. They're destroying the word of God, and I am angry at the preachers of that destroy the word of God. It's every wind of doctrine. And it makes the church apathetic. Apollo in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. A-P-A-L-G-E-O. When you preach every wind of doctrine, it makes the church apathetic. Apathetic. We get our word apathy from that. Apathy comes from pathos which means to suffer. A pathologist is a doctor of suffering diseases, and the alpha privity means no feeling, no suffering. It means to not feel anything. I don't care what the truth is. Now, let's get back to the fourth chapter. One of their favorite Pentecostal truth marrying a lie. Sons of God marrying the daughters of men. It has to be going on at the end of time. But I believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Don't mean try them on for size. One guy said, does that mean try them on for size? No. The word is dokimazo. D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. Dokimazo means to test the spirits. Test whether it is aletheia, taking the cover off. What? Are we done? First John? Okay. First John four. Try the spirits, Dokimazo. It means to put in the fire or test, examine. When you put the alpha in front of our it translates reprobate. It means no fire. Reprobate. People are reprobate. These guys read defining these words like kenneth copeland and and fred price did the same thing before he died i don't see how fred price could have gone to heaven he didn't have any daily cross debts to self-self-denial joyce myers td jakes all td jakes does is scoot across the floor and say some of these catchphrases i don't know if and just scoot across and say you don't know what i'm talking about do you? you don't know they do that in a lot of the in the lot of the Pentecostal churches. They'll say, You don't know. I don't know why they say that. It's a way to fill up their time with 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 mush. <laughs> it's a way to fill up their time when they can't think of anything to say. It's 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 crazy. Then he says because many false prophets are going out in the world a false prophet is someone who twists the word of god a man that is like anton LaVey, the head of the church of satan before he died he wasn't a false prophet he just said he believed in satan he believed in worshiping satan and he didn't believe in jesus and so he didn't take the word of god and twist it he just did have nothing to say and you had that a a mosaic of jesus in the floor as you're walking into their church and you had to step on him to go into their church well that wasn't the real jesus that was the other jesus the other spirit the other gospel and the jesus these guys preach is another jesus another spirit another gospel now how much time to have my i got to finish this up right here beloved believe not every spirit but try, put in the fire the spirits, whether they be of God or not. He says in verse 2, Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Spirit, the Holy Spirit's truth. Here's how you know the truth. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, that sure does sound like if Hindus say Jesus came in a physical body, they're of God. It sounds like that, doesn't it? Huh? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. But it doesn't say exactly that. This is why it's good to know parts of speech and look them up. The flesh is te. This has to do with greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Has to do with that.
0: K O R Sarks, not
1: O S A
0: R X. And this is an X here. Sarks. This is feminine gender. This is feminine gender. The flesh.
1: Is feminine. There's two females in the Bible that leads people. One is Babylon, the feminine mother of harlots. She was founded on self. Self. And there is Zion,
0: or Jerusalem, the mother of us all. Well, every.
1: that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming. The flesh. What is the flesh? The feminine flesh. The feminine flesh is the church. The wife. The bride of Christ. Every spirit that homologeo confesses. H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. Y'all don't know how confusing this verse is to a lot of so-called preachers that call themselves scholars because they don't go looking at the gender and you have to confess so every spirit that confesses that jesus christ is coming the feminine flesh which is the church how do you confess Well confess homolegao comes from homo that is a Greek word we say homosexual of the same sex homogenize anywhere you got homo it's of the same you've got homologeo, l o g e o it means of the same logos word it means to agree with. To agree with in the feminine flesh. To agree with. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming, you have to confess, you have to agree with. Agree with. That is homo l'geo. But you can't just say with your mouth, that's not enough. If you confess every spirit, that confesses that Christ has come in the flesh, and that will take you over to Titus one sixteen. Titus. If you don't know what these words mean, you're lost as a goose. Titus one sixteen. He's talking about men whose conscience are defiled, they profess that they know God. "Profess" is the same word "homologeo." It's the same word as confess. They confess that they know God with their mouth, but in works they deny Him. In the ergon, their toll, what they do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. The way you can tell if the, that a spirit is true, if it does truth in the flesh, and it agrees with God by what it does. Otherwise, the Bible says there in Titus one and sixteen, they profess with the mouth that they know God and works, they deny Him, and they are unto every good word they are reprobate they're in no fire they're abominable and disobedient and every good work they are reprobate they don't want any fire just because you say with your mouth I believe God and you don't do what he says you're a reprobate no fire adokimas I tell you, I can't believe. Now, let's get back over here to First John because we've got to get greater that he's in you. What is it that's in us? The Holy Spirit that causes us to live righteously and godly. Go back over here to First John 4. 1 John 4. And then he says, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the feminine flesh, they don't do the will of God. They don't work. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Well, he should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. So every spirit that does not walk in truth Converse is not that Jesus Christ is coming, the feminine flesh of the church, the wife, the bride is not of God. This is that spirit of antichrist. well, you reprobate, and if you deny christ, deny our Naomi in first john two twenty three twenty uh, two two twenty two he that denieth Christ is antichrist. Deny or no, my means to contradict. If you're not doing the truth, you're contradicting Christ. A r n e o m a i. You're contradicting Christ. You're antichrist. You're not the antichrist, but you're antichrist. You're opposing Christ. Anti means in opposition to, or take the place of Christ. And
0: then he says,
1: "Whereof you have heard that it should come even now already are there many antichrist in the world? That's what he said in chapter two. ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcome is the verb form of victory n i k a o that's overcome n i k is the word victory." And what's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. And that's in 1 John, the 5th the chapter. Then he says, because greater is he that is in you. This is not some Pentecostal verse. The one that's in us, Christ, causes us to be obedient to his truth. This is not something you just shout, greater is he is in you, he that is in the world. Whoa! I get to speak in tongues. I get to heal people. There's no such thing as faith healing. All they do is get people together and get them excited. I'll say it one more time. Every time the Bible says, and you can find this out by looking in your concordance, the word whole. When Jesus saw the woman had the issue of blood, he said, Thy faith has made thee whole faith did not heal her it saved her hold is the word sozo it's the word saved faith saves it doesn't heal I said it earlier why is it Oral Roberts died of pneumonia Kenneth Hagan, who started the positive confession, confession movement in America back in the 1940s. Then Old Roberts got a hold of it, said all you have to do is say it with your mouth, and you get what you say. It's idiocy. That comes from the Far East. Kenneth Hagin got that from E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon went to the Far East and studied the the gurus of Hinduism, and they'll get you over there and lay you down on a pallet of, of these stones, they're, they're crystals, and they say that these have vibrations in them and they'll heal you. Well, Kenneth Hagan brought that back to America. They say over there everything has got positive and negative vibrations. And that imbecile that used to be over in Arkansas, he died a couple of years ago. I uh, can't think of his name. Never can. But he said, if you keep saying, I, if he just keeps doing that, I'll just die. He said, if you say, I'll just die, eventually you'll die from saying those words because they'll create your own world. What was his name, Mike? Charles Capps. Charles Capps, yeah. Charles Capps was a moron. He said, all you have to do is say it and you can speak everything into existence. That's what Kenneth Hagin brought to America. Why is it Kenneth Hagin died of a heart attack? Why? I thought all you had to do was call somebody in, put their hands open, and heal him. Why is it Paul Crouch who started TBN, the Devil's Broadcasting Network, not TBN, DBN? Why is it Paul Crouch died? You can go online and look up how did Paul Crouch die, and they'll tell you he had congestive heart failure for the last 10 years of his life. Wrestle with that. And he had all those faith healers, huh? He wasn't positive. And when when, uh, Fred Price died here a couple of weeks ago, his family said we gave him permission to die. It was time for him to go. So we we told him he could go ahead and go. It's appointed unto man what's to die, and after this the judgment. All those faith healers die
0: of a disease.
1: I keep saying you can't just Look up a medical book, look in the back of the index, and look up old age. It's not there. It'll say cardiac disease, pulmonary disease. And everybody's body is getting older and older and older. You know when you start dying the day you're born? You start dying, you get older and older and older, and everybody's got a system that wears out. And when it completely wears out, you get a heart attack, you get heart failure. And everybody dies of a disease that doesn't get killed in a car wreck or otherwise. Everybody. I'm going to die of a disease here before long. I'll be 82 in May. You can't live much longer than that. My body's tired and wore out. But I'm not looking at that as something sad. I'm looking forward to be with Jesus. I'm tired of my body. It's tired. It's worn. I've got all kinds of aches and pains. I got to go. I got to go to the doctor next week and have a big fatty deposit on my back removed. You can see it through my shirts. Haven't y'all ever noticed it? I've had pain up under there. I know if one of them Pentecostals come lay hands on me, I'll be all right. It just poof disappear. <laughs> you can see that, can't you? See that? right there and i've been having back problems for nine six or nine months and doctor said well that might be causing the pain It's got tentacles that go down in there i'm not the difference between me and them they don't look forward to dying they want to pray so they can be healed i don't want to be healed with a body this old why would i want to keep living i don't want to People don't really believe being with Jesus is better than this. I believe that. The Bible says it is. Paul said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better than this. Nevertheless, it's more necessary for the church that I remain. That's why I want to stay. I want to stay for my family. I want to stay for you. I want to put as many of these DVDs down on the Internet. I've got all kinds of information I want to put out. Now, I'll keep repeating about tongues, about faith healing. I'll keep repeating about slain in the spirit. Stupidest doctor I ever heard. Dumb. It's the spirit that quickeneth. Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O is the word quicken. The spirit quickeneth. Makes alive. It doesn't slay and kill people. It's a dumb, dumb doctrine. But it was a oh, What's-Her-Name that started. Catherine Kuhlman started that went around whacking people, and they'd fall down. Nobody was doing that for her. Benny Hinn picked up on it, and he's honed that to a skill, waving his coat at the crowd. And if you'll notice, the only people that fall down are the people close up to the front. The reason they're up front because they want to be a part of the show. And the people that fall down could walk up on the platform, they're willing to fully cooperate with the adrenaline rush, so they fall down. I got a younger brother that was on, you can see him on Benny Hens once in a while. And he's, Benny's whacking him and he's falling down. His wife's falling down. Dean's laying there going. Dean, you're dealing, you're mixing up with a bunch of foolish liars. I'd like to tell him, but he won't listen to anything I say. I told him one time, I said, you need to repent of sin. He said, I'm not going to repent to you. I said, you can't repent to me. You have to repent to God. Be charged and think differently. Am I out of time, Mike? Yeah. I'm out. I've still got a bunch more on the sons of God, marrying the daughters of men. That's all the false doctrines going on in the world here at the end of time. It has to be going on because it was going on in Noah's day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Sometimes I don't know what to ask you, Lord. I just want to ask you, believing that you'll do what you want to do. Crush me and all these people under your hand. You said you came to the bruise, the crushed. You've crushed me unbelievable in my life. Thank you for your truth. Fight our battles for us. Give us an understanding of your word that we've never gotten before. And we'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to come back and get into some of the doctrines of the charismatics that I haven't thoroughly explained to you.
0: If they were real believers they wouldn't be talking and acting the way they do they
1: wouldn't if they were believers they're not believers those people are devil are i believe most of the charismatic preachers are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction i believe that's who they are they're liars they're thieves they steal when you go online and you look up kenneth copeland's house he's got an eighteen thousand square foot house a hangar next door with about eight planes in it one of them is a is a 30 million dollar jet. He stole all that from the people. He's got thousands of acres with thousands of cattle. It
0: doesn't affect he's, him at all. To, it doesn't hurt him one bit. It doesn't. He doesn't care about these people's
1: lives. He doesn't care about the poor and the needy and the downtrodden. I care about them.
0: So you know he can't be of, of God if he does that.
1: That's no. right. He's not of God, he's of the devil. But they are the greater I believe Pentecostalism and charismatic doctrine is part of the
0: great apostasy of the church. Here, I believe it's one of the most dangerous things that's going